0: whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know, it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead.
1: Halo, halo, everybody, and welcome back like a butt crack, Dizzy style. To the one and only Sacred Icon Halo show, where we talk all things Halo because we love Halo. You guys couldn't see it, but I just bobbed my head so hard my hair is completely out of place now. Where we talk all things Halo because we love Halo, and we know you guys do too. I'm your co host, Jovial Joshua Hargis. And joining with me, as always, is my buddy, my pal, my friend, the one with better kept hair right now than myself, Mr. Brian. Took a shower and now I'm
0: like <laughs> i am back like a buck I love Dizzy from Gears. I was, it's, it's, just, I it's such
1: the the weirdest like uh just the weirdest history with him cuz I I look at Dizzy and I think about like I he's synonymous with my Gears of War 2 experience. Like I just remember going into that being super excited and there's this like new character and what was the other one like? T- Ty. Yeah, Ty and I remember just seeing him like disappear. And then sing tie for a little bit longer throughout the campaign and everything, and I just, I don't know, it was just weird. I, I just always think about that. And then the back like a buck crack. Man. What the hell are you talking
0: I love, I love, uh, I love the Gear series. I just don't feel like it gets talked about enough anymore.
1: But anyways, I, I think, guys, I think Gears Tactics is going to be my launch title. Like me too, dude. True.
0: Actually, I've decided it is for me,
1: dude. That's awesome. Um, yeah,
0: so that's going to be my one game on the on the One X. Oh or, man, that's really not One cool X Series X. Yeah, I know what you mean. So. Um, All right, guys, before we get started uh, today, I just want to reiterate for all of you that uh, Shadows of Reach, the the book, is coming out soon, which is going to kind of set us up in a way for Halo Infinite. Um, I know many of you are looking forward to reading it. Um, Maybe some of you aren't big readers. You just kind of want to hear us spoil the whole book. Well, here is the final say of what we're going to do. This is our last podcast before we will do some book coverage, but we want to make sure that everyone who doesn't want to be spoiled can listen. So we're going to reiterate one more time. What we're going to do is from here on out, we're going to be doing regular, typical episodes like you guys know. We won't be talking about Shadows of Reach at all. When we reach the end of our episode, which is probably around uh, a 90-minute-ish, uh, maybe a little less, who knows, we'll do our typical, like, that's that's it, guys, um, you know, keep it sacred, we're out, and then after that, there'll be a point where we go, okay, guys, now, for the next 20, 30 minutes, we're going to cover these chapters of Shadows of Reach, and it's going to be spoiler-filled. So that way, you can listen to the whole episode. You get At the very end of the episode, you get a big warning with plenty of time for you to dip out, and you can just end the episode then and not listen anymore. Or if you want to be spoiled or you've already read, you can go ahead and listen. And then that way, uh, once you've read the book or, or when you get around to it, you can just go back and listen to the last section's of our podcast to get that coverage. And we're going to try to remember to put a timestamp in the in the link or whatever description of where you can go so that way if in the future you need to come back to episodes to listen, you can just go, oh, okay, it's at the one and a half hour mark. So, yeah, that's basically it for Shadows of Reach. Josh and I are really excited. We'll be talking about that, uh, Crazy
1: that next Saturday. Isn't it weird, man? It really, like, I see people so excited for this in a way that uh, I almost... Like, everything I've heard from Shadows of Reach makes it sound like it's going to be fantastic, but I almost feel bad for it because if it wasn't, then I feel like it'd be fighting a losing battle because everyone had that excitement kind of split. Like, Shadows of Reach was initially going to be this, like, tie-in, you know? And it still is, but it was initially going to be this tie-in lead-up. So people were excited for this, but it was going to be their first slice of pizza in a big pizza pie yeah. experience. But now it's it's become the entire pizza because that game got delayed. So like all of that excitement has now gone into this, and everyone's put sort of all their chips. Uh, they've gone all in with this book and the story and this experience.
0: There's definitely a level of excitement that's added to the book because it's all we have of Infinite this year aside from the marketing. But I think it just goes to show it's another lesson learned the hard way by 343. Um, because you know, early on when three four three took over, it was like books, 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 comics, you know, tie-in video material. It was just so much to read, and so much of it was actually very integral to the story. It's a good
1: point, and, Brian. And
0: now, what they've done since the the backlash to Halo Five is they've really pulled away from releasing any kind of novelizations that that tell a lot about the state of the universe and tie in with the games. Mm-hmm. So now that we're finally arriving in 2020 at the Shadows of Reach book, that's going to actually have integral um, um, stuff for the that ties into the games, though not required. They've made that very clear, not required for the game. But, you know, we're going to see what happens in Chief, Blue Team, go back to Reach. And I think what it does by them not releasing mandatory books so often is it generates a lot of hype i mean when's the last time a book came out that that actually meant major things for the universe or for the characters it's been it's been a while it's you know, been a while yeah. uh it
1: definitely so feels like a case of uh less is more
0: yeah i know? think that's exactly what it is
1: yeah i really so, do i'm I really do excited and
0: i know we're gonna sit down and read this i know like we're josh and i as much as well to give you know to give myself more credit on that cuz you know Josh always says it I probably have more knowledge overall of of Halo information but yeah. for as much as I know and as much as Josh knows you know we haven't completely read from front to back a lot of the novels so where it used to be like oh five novels came out this year we're probably not going to read either any of them or maybe just one now it's like okay here's this one that's really important and we're excited and we're going to actually read it quickly
1: yeah yeah, that's it's pretty damn exciting, I think, for us too, because the whole time we've been doing this now, we haven't. The only real, I guess, new sort of content, if you could even call it that, that's come out in our time of uh, being a part of the Halo community overall has literally been like Shadows of Reach coming to MCs. Or, I'm sorry, Halo Reach All, coming to MCs. You've read the book and have experienced the
0: game. Yeah. Wow. But, and, uh, I mean, just the gameplay reveal for Infinite yeah. course. you know. So, this is the big thing of substance. But, yeah, we're excited to cover that guys. Uh, Josh, what kind of what kind of new news have we heard from Mark Phil? I got I got to
1: pick your brain about this cuz I I know we probably have a lot to say about it. But um yesterday, popular uh and some I I would say pretty credible uh leaker Nabel uh tweeted a conversation uh with Phil Spencer. So this isn't even a
0: leak actually to be clarified, It's not no, a leak. No. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh he's a pretty fun person to to follow for that sort of stuff. Uh he he uh posted an excerpt of a conversation with Phil Spencer, and uh, someone had asked him if Microsoft would consider offering Halo Infinite's campaign at a different time than the multiplayer if one is complete before the other. And Phil said something quite interesting. He said, Bonnie Ross and the team will go drive those decisions. But I think we want to make sure people feel like they have a Halo experience. I think we can look at options like that. He said, any decisions like that would have to factor in the structure of the game, story it's telling. He said, so, yeah, I think that's something to think about, but we want to make sure we do it right. The person who interviewed him said, I took that as a maybe. Brian, I, I when I read this, I didn't want to talk about it on Twitter because, you know, you have a character limit. Twitter's full of hot takes.
0: We didn't post it in secret the, icon for a reason.
1: Right. So... That stuff can get misconstrued, taken out of context. I didn't want to do that stuff. But when I read this, if a lot of people disagree with me, that's 100% fine because I hope I'm wrong about this. But when I saw this, I think that sort of reaffirms that there is trouble in paradise. And I don't think that's necessarily has to be a bad thing, you know, to look at it like so many studios go through that stuff that we don't know about. You know, I mean, Phil could. I think Jonathan said it best, and I'm paraphrasing, but but uh, Jonden in the community, uh, I think, made a good point of saying he doesn't more or less think so much. It's it's Phil kind of like hinting at that being a possibility as much as he's just saying Phil's not really as well equipped to kind of make those decisions. He kind of entrusts Bonnie to to really oversee that kind of stuff. But do you feel like there's trouble in paradise? Does this this kind of make that seem a bit more? Viable that there's a chance. Well,
0: this makes for a more interesting conversation, Josh, because I see it actually a lot differently than you. Oh, awesome, now let's hear. Um, for me, I, I think this is just a case of someone wanted to drive traffic to their website. I don't think they lied at all. I, I mean, it's it's a it's a real interview. It's what was said is true. But he said I took this as a maybe. That was the the interviewer. Um, to me, just just reading through it and hearing things like um, Phil saying, like people, we know that people want a halo experience. I think that's very indicative to me. Uh, or for everyone, it should be of him saying a halo experience we know what that is. that is multiplayer and campaign solid story day, day one altogether. Um, I think this is more a case of Phil just being honest and, and, and speaking on the fact that he allows you know the team at 343 to kind of make those decisions to some degree. Um, so I think it was I mean he said in the past you know weeks ago that when they, after the delay was announced, that they had considered um, splitting the multiplayer and the single player we already knew that so what that tells me is yeah they considered it in the past uh, Microsoft and Phil they're allowing 343 within reason to do what they think is best for the series and at one point it was 343's decision and they decided they thought about it and they decided not to and delayed it so I really think all Phil's saying here is that if that's something they had wanted to do or wanted to do in the future that is a possibility and that they can make that decision. But I don't think he was saying anything new. I don't think he was giving us any new information. I think he was just I just clarifying something very simple. And I, I think I think for me reading that and trying to remove myself from the the, the pull quotes that make it for a hype thing to read. Mm-hmm. It just seems to me like the plan isn't any different. It got delayed, it will come out with multiplayer and single player on day one. Brian Gerard said that on Twitter that that's absolutely not going to happen. I just think Phil saying if three four three wanted that to happen, they have that ability. So
1: sure, I think going off the way he describes it, man, I could completely agree with you. I think I could also thinking, be wrong. You know. Well, I hope you're right. I hope I'm the one that's wrong. Where I'm seeing it from my perspective is less to do. To be clear, it's less to do with what he's actually saying and more the potential implications about that kind of playing. Uh, a counter thing. Uh, It just, you know, between that early leak that had come out that Brian Gerard had more or less, you know, smashed right away and then they kind of like, you know, Phil Spencer kind of acknowledged Uh, and now this, you know, it, it just makes it seem like this is something that they're not entirely ruling out whether it's anything to do with Halo Infinite right now or maybe something down the line with some aspect of it or something, but I just don't like that idea and I think I mean I admit there's a bias bad idea. in there but I just even if you told me right now like like my first thought when I read that was maybe this game really had it's it is behind in a lot of different ways and they're really looking at if you know the, the the reason why they looked at even doing this even if they still said no was because they're so far behind and they had to they had to really sit down and talk about is there a way we can maybe streamline this and release this differently than we initially planned because of the situation we're finding ourselves in. You know, that's all speculation. But, I just, even if you told me right now, this game is so far behind, it's going to take, like, another two years to come out as a full package. But if they start, you know, soon, maybe we can get something, like, by April. You know, I would say, dude, I'm, no, I want to wait two years for the full package. This needs to be I'm, the full I'm on package. I'm
0: the page, But I think... I think it's pretty simple what's happened here. It's because of the pandemic, you know, and the one thing I've seen thrown around on Twitter quite a lot that it kind of really irks me is people say, we haven't had a Halo game in five years. There's no excuse for this. That that doesn't hold water. It doesn't hold water at all because they, this is a AAA title operating on a schedule. You know, Mm -hmm. when they went into 2020, They assumed they would all be at the studio working typical hours with all the same facilities Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the whole year. Nobody knew that this pandemic was coming. Nobody could account for that. Um, And usually, you guys have seen it a million times on a million other games, these AAA titles, they're operating on such a tight schedule. The game goes gold, and they're working on a day one patch. And then sometimes after the day one patch, later the week the game comes out, there's yeah. a second patch. No. So it's already pushing like it's already pushing it to the absolute limit to begin with. And then a pandemic gets thrown in their face. And then the last thing I want to say on this point, Josh, mm-hmm. is that let me give you guys an example. Josh and I, we, we don't put out a podcast for a week. We don't put out a podcast for a second week, a third week. We're really getting, we're getting, kind of getting lazy. And we say, okay, guys, two more weeks. We're going to be there with an extra long, juicy episode to make up for it sorry about that so five weeks we're about to podcast one of us gets in a car accident we're not going to give you an episode we might not even give you an episode for two to three weeks depending on how badly we were hurt and need a recovery so yeah we were already taking a long time to get you one but life changed in a way that you couldn't account for and now there is a good reason Mm -hmm. so no
1: absolutely that's a good that's a good point uh, you know, I, I just think for me, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's jadedness with this stuff, but there's, there's a part of me that's fifty percent uh, that that appreciates how many people out there are quick to try to squash rumors and and, and things that come out so they don't uh, get too much fuel in the fire, you know, and make it blow up. Then, then there's the other part of me that says. Sometimes people are too quick to temper this stuff and not really take a look at it and they just want to kill. It. I, I, and I get it. I get where it comes from because people just can blow up. It's it's quick fuel to that fire and it takes off. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, it's not so much that I think this is like confirming that there's trouble in paradise, but I think that just leads me. I, I, I probably shouldn't say that because it does sound a little too harsh, but I, I think what I'm trying to say is I think there's definitely. It's definitely affected them like you said, Brian, the and I, I just don't no Part of me is bothered by this delay. I haven't, I mean, aside from like, you know, obviously looking forward to the game. No part of me was thinking like I'm angry or I'm frustrated at them. This is just not something they, you know, planned for. And you can tell by everything that's been coming out lately that they really genuinely plan to have this game out this year. No ifs, ands, or buts. So, I'm, I would just rather, you know, if, if this is something that it, maybe they're still taking a look at internally and seeing if they can potentially do, I just really hope it's something they don't. I think that's something we can both agree on that we would just rather get this, however long it takes, get the full product because yeah. we understand.
0: I mean, let's be honest, too, to approach it from another angle. I think it's kind of confirmed that there's trouble in paradise, just not, not the way that people are, are looking at it. You you guys got to think here, you know, go back to when three four three took over the franchise. They they put out their first game while building a studio in 2012 and then they immediately announced Halo 5 8 months after Halo 4's release. Mm-hmm. And then in 2015 we got Halo 5 after they were also doing MCC in the midst of of that game. I know different people work on this stuff but like it's still 343. So when they when they hit 2015 and Halo 5 came out and received a lot of you know a lot of backlash I mean, it's it's more or less been said on record. It's not really like I'm fabricating anything. They they took a look at everything. They took a step back and said, "Okay," like they already had a story direction they were going. They already had an art style direction they were going with four and five, and they it's everything makes it clear that there was probably going to be a new uh, you know a Halo six sooner than five years. But like they said, they went back to the drawing board for the story. They. There's been a lot of people that have left 343, a lot of people that have been hired at 343. They completely changed their art style. They completely rewrote the heck or re- changed their engine so much. They're, they're basically treating it like it's a new engine and the slipspace engine. So there, if there isn't trouble, like the trouble in paradise now is the pandemic. The trouble in paradise in the beginning was them looking, like taking a step back, looking at the story, changing the art style. And then, you know, and then, of course, through the years we've seen, not that it means, this doesn't particularly mean there was trouble in Paradise, but we've seen big people from 343 leave. And -hmm. we've seen new people be hired in. So, I mean, I think to some extent all game development has real trouble. It's just what degree of it. Yeah. Um, No, I think you said
1: that perfectly, Brian. I think you summed it up perfectly. Uh, You know, it just, you know, I don't, uh, it comes with those negative connotations when you hear that kind of stuff. And it's like, if 343 is having that kind of uh, situation go on. I just don't think it's cause for concern necessarily. It's just yeah. they're just trying to deal with the situation as best they can and figure shit out. I'm just – me, selfishly, is thinking, oh, gosh, don't actually take the thought seriously and release this in parts. You know? Right. Like I don't want the only that thing, to become a thing. That's
0: all. And the only thing I'm, – I'm surprised how much I have to say about this, but it's it's good. Um, the only thing that makes me think they would ever consider – I'm just for the record, guys, I'm heavily leaning into their – I don't think they're going to release them separately. I think they know that's a bad look, especially after they're trying to regain the
1: credibility for the franchise. Yeah, and, and I'm Bye. more wrong than I am right about stuff, guys. So listen to Brian. <laughs> but,
0: well, the only thing I would, the only thing that makes me believe it's even possible to consider releasing the multiplayer and the campaign separately, is that we know we already kind of know there's a different approach to multiplayer here. It's going to be free for everyone. And it's going to try to compete in a market with your free Fortnites, your free Apexes, your free PUBGs. And then, of course, you got non-shooter games that are blowing up like Fall Guys and, and Among Us. The market is a lot different now for multiplayer games and monetization than it was in 2015. So the fact that they've already announced it's going to be free and the fact that this is something I'll have to save for another episode because this could be a whole other thing ad nauseum. Going and looking at a couple of different interviews with with Bonnie Ross and some things said, it seems like there's a great possibility there will be some type of battle royale in, in Halo 5. It won't be called that. But so when, I mean you, when you start to, you take all these things into account. You, you take say into Halo
1: account 5. What's that? You say Halo 5.
0: Did I say Halo 5 instead of Infinite? Yeah, I'm just picturing oh. like, coming to Halo 5. Not oh Halo man, people get pissed. Um, <laughs> when you take time. all these things into account, you know, the changing multiplayer industry, the fact that they're going to launch this Halo with free multiplayer. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to spend money or buy Game Pass to play that campaign, but you don't have to do any of that. Halo Infinite multiplayer is going to be free. So with the changing market, the fact that it's free, a very good chance there'll be something like Battle Royale, that that almost becomes a separate service. It almost becomes a separate entity. Have you, Josh, have you seen what's happening with Call of Duty where like their Battle Royale is like it's being continued when this new Cold War game comes out. You still have to buy Cold War, but you also get the already existing Battle Royale. So it's almost, they're almost becoming segregated. They're almost becoming split. And that's just the way the industry is moving. So like, if Halo, if Halo is doing that, which it seems like they are, preferably they just release it in a full package. But if they want to release and, you know, of course, I'm a campaign guy. I want them to... If I, if they had to release one first, I don't want to release it. Of course, I'd choose campaign. But you know what, guys? We don't know. We've only seen campaign, but maybe releasing one just, first means they release the multiplayer first. It's just so tough. the campaign's later.
1: Because objectively, you want to look at it and you want to be like, okay, if they're doing this, how can they do this in a way that will still get me excited and I'll be okay with it? Like, you want to try to find that, like, middle ground so you can just accept the potential for that to be there and be prepared for it. But the other part of me is like, man, I just halo to me is so synonymous with booting up the game and seeing everything available and feeling the sensory overload of excitement from playing two levels of campaign and suddenly thinking now i'm going to try the multiplayer to thinking i want to check out and see what new additions are here in forge or i want to go see what new spartan skins are here or i want to go do this do this do this to go check out how theater works now you know it's the idea of i mean i know we had some of that with halo 5's launch not having big team battle and, and forge and whatnot right away but like The thought of just not having, let's say, campaign and multiplayer at least together at the same time in one synonymous package is just something I think it would be tough for me because I know it it would just be tough. Like if I'm playing the campaign, if if campaign comes out first and I'm playing that after like a little bit, like an hour or two, I'm going to like just want to keep this ball rolling and jump into the multiplayer. You know, even if I play like six hours straight of the campaign, I'm going to want to cap it off. You know, end that session by checking out the multiplayer and knowing that it's not there kind of like sucks because Halo to me has always been so much more than the story and then it's also been so much more than the multiplayer and I think that's what's so great about it is how much it has to offer for a first-person shooter and in a way that makes you actually enjoy all that stuff like it's not a diss on Doom, it's not a diss on some other games that have a story and multiplayer and stuff like that but I don't find myself enjoying the subsequent additions to the core story. Like I'll play the story. I don't get as much out of the multiplayer or whatever other experience they have with halo. I do. That's why I love it so much is because of that. So it's just hard to imagine, uh, being, being excited. It would just, it would lessen my excitement a bit. And I, I, but that's out of respect to them too, because I would rather, I understand the situation and to sum up my thoughts on this so we can move on. I just, I just hope like I appreciate them if this is the case, I appreciate them actually trying to look and see what they can do because obviously they want to get this game to us. you know. And I'm sure internally it's got to be hard for them seeing all these cool advertisements come out and not having their game that they have slaved over for so long already mm-hmm. not come out with this to really help get our excitement and see us excited. So, you know... I would just rather they get to release the package as they plan to initially ship it, however long that takes.
0: I agree with everything you said 100%. I just, you know, the thing that makes me think, you know, the only thing that makes me you and I know, like, in the beginning, I kind of defended it, and now I'm just kind of playing both sides, but the thing that really makes me go, this could be a serious thing, is, like, when Apex came out, that game just shadow dropped. It just... Apex just dropped and it was super popular and it's still, I mean, it's not as popular now as it was the day it launched, but it is still really popular and really successful. And the, 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 the multiplayer in gaming now is just not the same at all. When you look at people like Josh and I's age, or maybe people a couple years younger or five to 10 years older, we're all kind of in that old like classic Bungie era of, of mentality and of, of fanhood. But if you look at, like, what are the up-and-coming up and gamers today wanting to play? What excites them? If you're a 12-, 13-, 14-, 15-year-old in a grade school and Halo, whatever they call it, you know, but Halo Battle Royale just, just drops without the campaign. Drop something. these nuts, Brian. Uh, I won't do that. Um, just drops out of nowhere. Well, obviously, it's going to have a release date or whatnot. People are going to jump on that. It's already free. People are going to go, okay, I'm playing Apex. I'm playing Fortnite. Let's just... It's free. I'm going to download it. I'm going to try it. People get on it, and it becomes huge. And the thing is, while many of us, we would like, you know, a lot of you would like a classic Halo multiplayer, like of old, or maybe Josh would like something very similar to Halo 5, but if they drop this, like, big, free-to-play multiplayer package reminiscent of, like, Apex or Fortnite, and it becomes huge... Even if they upset a lot of OG fans, they're going to gain instrumentally more. And then, then you had the campaign. Also, they're releasing separately, which you pay for or use Game Pass for. I just think this would be my my closing statement, so we can move on. I think that as a fan and as someone, you know, one of the halves running Sacred Icon Halo, I want them to release it all together. I don't want. I don't want this other crap. I. I. I don't. But if I'm trying to remove all my biases and think about if I worked at 343 and my goal was to make the, the game successful and profitable, I think there's something very beneficial to releasing a full multiplayer suite yeah. for free as its own entity separate from the campaign. Whichever one comes first, or it doesn't
1: matter. Yeah, I understand that Infinite's going to be a live service game in some ways, you know, in its own way. But man... Everything this generation with live service games has been the narrative for all these has been it got better. You know it's got it's really good now. You know Destiny One, Destiny Two, Sea of Thieves, uh, like like Ark. You know, and all there so many of these other games that just kind of roll with things that way. And I just I look I, I'm so excited for this whole ten year idea that that we have going with this. I just don't like I want the game, and I want the game's initial splash to really be a big cannonball drop that yeah. Yeah. makes us rem- it needs that, to that be. reminds us of the same kind of package experience we used to get and then after that then they start doing they start releasing their sort of content however they do in a live service way but have the initial release be something typical and classic you know I just don't want that to be tainted but uh, one thing uh, the last thing I want to bring up before we go into our main topic uh, Ian Big Dog Mills mentioned, which I just, this really gave me some food for thought. So I just want to pick your brain. He said uh, on a tweet recently, whoever signed the Halo Infinite marketing deal did an amazing job. Imagine if the game launched this year, it would have been bigger than the Halo 3 launch. When I read that, I sat and thought about it and I thought, you know what? He might be right. Like, what do you think about that? I
0: read that tweet and I'm definitely really open to having my mind change, but I don't see at all how this would be bigger than Halo 3's launch, personally. Well, I
1: don't know because I'm like, I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking, okay, what all did Halo 3 do back then that really like solidified well, that? Before so, you even get
0: into that, Josh, the anticipation for Halo 3 was a whole different beast than what we have for Infinite. It's not even close, in my opinion. The, the whole industry was waiting for Halo 3.
1: The only, Halo see, fans I, are waiting for it. I'm more inclined to agree with Dan on that, because it's like, okay, uh, like, I get where you're coming from. Like In one sense, like you had the build-up coming off of 2, and the, what it did for Xbox Live, and going into 3, and what 3 was going to be doing. I get that. Like, I don't necessarily look at uh, Halo Infinite and think it's going to, like, redefine anything per se. But it's just we've been so long without a Halo game, and people have been anticipating this for so long. And then we had the brief tease, and people are now just chomping at the bits to get anything and, and dealing with all this. So it, it, it's almost created a, a weird, like, the the sort of fallout of the initial reception and where we're at right now in this strange uh, echo chamber vacuum has now almost created a hype in of itself because this is just the weirdest experience for Halo we've ever had before a game comes out. But now you're seeing all the marketing material and I'm like, "You know what? I think what we had like 7-11 slurpees, we had game fuel, we started having commercials and stuff like that, like not just the the uh um, the live action, you know, like ads that we got or the believe campaign, like who knows what else still might be coming for Halo Infinite." with this all this Xbox marketing stuff that we don't even know of yet but I mean I, I'll say this I mean you could at least agree with this even if you don't uh, agree with Ian I mean it seems like this is the biggest if if Halo Infinite had been coming out it seems like the biggest this would probably have been since Halo 3 right because I don't think I, Halo I 5 had that either. That. like it had they all have their promotional campaigns but this is like go to a circle K and you're finding four cups now you know you're seeing on you know, this on monster cans you're Canada seeing, only by the way for listeners yeah so it's just you yeah, know
0: I I think yeah. I think there's definitely something very special with this marketing and and I we made a tweet ourselves on Sacred Icon Halo about you know how they're going all out with the marketing here yeah um and I I definitely think it was going to be something special and it would potentially be the biggest since Halo three yeah my so, personal opinion which oh, I yeah, could be wrong ahead. on is that it's nowhere near Halo three that's
1: just my personal yeah, yeah opinion. fair enough fair enough you know uh, I just I just my, my thoughts with this overall when he tweeted that I just thought you know what that's a really good point point in that. Whether you agree or disagree, you can at least see the effort that's there. And it just makes me happy for 343. Like, the delay sucks, but it makes me really happy that you can tell that this was something they've really planned out.
0: It's a shame they held their cards to the chest for so long and wanted to kind of have this moment of reclamation, you know. And then it just, because of something completely out of their control, they don't get to have it, you know.
1: Yeah. That's... I, I, had the knockout delayed had this pandemic not happened I wouldn't have been even saying it. I wouldn't have even been agreeing with that because it's like damn I'm so glad they were quiet and now boom it's like every week there's something new and I you know here's this book and here's this wow wow! I mean but kudos to them though for having this still planned I can't imagine how long it takes to map this shit out
0: sometimes years I mean yeah. we don't know the logistics but
1: I love that you said that Ian it's just something that made us made us really think but uh, Brian what are we going to be talking about today?
0: Uh, so today, guys, we're kind of going to get to. It's kind of interesting because we just spent so much time talking about three, four, three, and since it's going to be a shorter episode, it's almost like it's going to be t- this episode is going to be titled Bungie era because we're going to talk about the era of Bungie. Mm-hmm. But when you listen to it, you're going to be like, "Wow, half that content was about 343, <laughs> I think. But <laughs> hey, um, shout
1: out! I'm sorry. Shout out to Kilimanjaro real quick, who just tagged me in that freaking meme. Oh, I can't believe I have to go to work on a Saturday. Oh, I just man. Saw that. I'm there sorry. It is. Go ahead, Brian. Um, oh, so, wait. we're just going to
0: kind of talk about the the era of Bungie games and just very specifically. So, we're not going to touch on the anniversary graphics or anything like that or just, just the Bungie era. So, uh, And then we plan to, a few episodes down the road, talk about just kind of the 343 era in a vacuum. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. To kind of start us off,
1: I actually got a lot to say. If
0: I mean, go ahead, Josh. Yeah. Uh, if you're uh, ready, done happy. Yeah. You, you guys know happy, that I mean.
1: Vice article that was published a couple of years ago that was like the oral history of Halo and stuff like that. Uh, I have just started reading that uh, my first time. It was one of those things I always kind of put like on the, I guess, bookmarked shelf. <laughs> like, oh, I want to get to this. I want to look at this and really dive into it. But I never did. And I finally did uh, for a couple reasons. And I was like enthralled. And I knew a lot about Bungie's culture, uh, and and what they were like, and what the uh, what the chemistry was like between them and Microsoft. But I didn't know it fully. And getting to really have a deep dive on this was a lot of fun. And Brian, you've read this a long time ago, probably when it came out. Knowing you, you were probably on top of that shit. But uh, I mean, the first thing I want to talk about for me, just to kind of get your thoughts on it too, is that, I mean. We talked before briefly about how Bungie just kind of had this like t-shirt, blue jeans, you know, almost like not like a jog attitude, but they're just they, they got a bit of ego, you know, they're like their own rock stars and stuff like that. The, the pizza and the, the Mountain Dew cans, you know, like the atmosphere was just different with that Bungie era, because like one of the things I remember seeing in that was that when Bungie initially came to Microsoft uh, and they were going to get their sort of studio, you know. They had all these Microsoft took them to a room that had like cubicles and they were just like, no, it was a typical Microsoft kind of room and atmosphere. And they were like, hell no, we need this to feel breathable, basically. And I think that really said a lot about them as developers. Like, I don't know any other developer that just has rolled with things the way they have with that mentality. I mean, what do you think about that kind of three, four, three,
0: followed suit and kept that open, uh, studio. I could be wrong. I mean, I You're could right. actually be completely wrong, but I feel like I heard or saw that they kind of continued that and they don't they don't do the cubicle thing either. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's really interesting how different the approaches are and how different the results are. Uh just to give a little story here, when Halo, I don't know if it was I think it was Reach Came out mm-hmm. um, because that was Bungie's last game. I was at I was at this GameStop that Josh and I have talked about before. It used to have this really cool manager and assistant manager.
1: Good times and at I GameStop.
0: Yeah, good times. And I asked the assistant manager what he thought of because the conversation was happening because 343 was going to be taking over. And I asked him what he thought of Bungie's time with Halo, and his opinion was he held his hands up and he kind of spread them out really far and he's like, they had this much potential. He said, he says, I feel like Bungie had this much potential but only used this much and he scrunched his hands in real close together. So his opinion was the Halo games are good but Bungie created this amazing, huge universe with all this potential and he says that he didn't think they really used it and he's hoping that, that 343 would do that. And I think there's a lot of truth to what he had to say but i think it's really like interesting to reflect on that because so many of us our favorite memories of halo are in that original trilogy which was you know with the first game it was like it was a it was a real-time strategy game then it became third person then it became first person mm-hmm. and then it became first person on a console and that kind of like it had a quick hurry development and then it came out, and it was super successful. And then all, we all know Halo 2's development was like one of the the rockiest developments of all time, and they had to cut a lot and make a lot of sacrifices. And it came out, and it was a solid. You know game what, anyways. dude?
1: I would freaking love if they gave us a movie someday that was akin to what the social network the social network was for Facebook. Ooh. for that like just
0: can Jason Statham play Joe Statham? <laughs> he has to yeah that'd be <laughs> he great. has to have, he has to have uh, a toupee. <laughs> yeah so then you get so then you get you know past Halo 2 and then there's all this anticipation for Halo 3 and it's mm-hmm. building and it, it, a lot of uh, behind the scenes with development they talked about how Halo 3 was a lot smoother than the first two games and you know the marketing buildup the, the launch of, a, of HD systems with the 360 and Halo 3 was this this apex of excitement. Uh, and you know that original trilogy just gets so much respect from from so many, including us It's just this one of the best trilogies in gaming. And if you look if you look at it, you know they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants. they operated differently and Definitely. you know for it as, for, as, for as interesting and as an expansive as Halo is, they did kind of keep it simple in a way. you know the, the main story you know was, Cyborg discovers Ring, destroys it, fights alien race, destroys another, chases Covenant to the the place where they fire all the Rings, destroys that, stops the Covenant, stops the Flood, it's over. Like, you know, there's this giant expansive universe with things like Spartan suits, Mjolnir suits, and, and, and different races and planets. But they kind of summed the whole story up pretty quickly. You know, if we look back at the trilogy... All that happened over the course of like what, like a, a couple months or a year. I mean, it was a short it's, amount of time, despite how
1: long we had to wait to yeah. finish the fight. So when I go back with that,
0: when I go yeah. back to what that GameStop manager said, saying that they had so much, they had this much they could do with it, and they did so little. Well, I think he's right in the sense that they did open themselves up to this endless potential, and they ended up keeping it relatively small and and con, and concise.
1: So you to say contained,
0: now, and I was gonna be like, the one, one contained. contained. Yeah, another one there. Um, <laughs> you were clairvoyant. I was clairvoyant. <laughs> um, oh, I missed. That. So, so there's two different ways to look at it because now that we've seen three four three kind of do like three four three is kind of done with that. GameStop manager said they kind of blew the universe open. They dwell deep into the uh, pr- the, the the forerunners, the novels, extended book material, uh, Promethean's, uh You know. Oni, all this different stuff. They've they've really kind oh, of blown it up. Yeah, they've kind of blown it up in a way that um, that GameStop manager said he wanted to do. But where we to, to bring this in sure. as as a fan base now, what does it typically look like? Oh, I really enjoyed the the Bungie games. The Bungie games are my favorite. Those are the classics. I wish I wanted to be more like Bungie. So it's just interesting trying to balance your potential with what with like quality like yeah. what it should well, be it's Bungie kept it simple and and it paid off in dividends and then 343 three, they inherited this universe which is such a colossal thing to inherit and they they, they probably were looking at Bungie and saying wow there's so much more we could do with yeah. this and they decided to start doing that and then now it's kind of like the narrative's kind of like i wish it was more simple over to you josh
1: yeah i mean it's going back to what i said too about the cubicles and everything like that like i think it was th- there if you read that article and you obviously see some stuff in the Halo 2 documentary. There was just such a unique contrast of them coming into this game of Halo, Combat Evolved, and how it took shape. And then turning into what eventually became the next, what, almost 10 years, the next nine year years. Halo for them. You know, yeah. So, and you could tell by the end. They were just so burnt out. And there were so many, you know, different things that were maybe gonna go on that didn't happen, things like the Halo Chronicles and the movie and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like it got to a weird point and Jason Jones was so out of it. He had burnt himself out so much, you know, and then working on the first game and he didn't typically do sequels, and then he kinda took off. And if you notice, know, like you guys notice, I didn't realize this when the first time I watched The making of Halo 2, but you see Jason Jones talk at times, but then when they actually show the the behind the scenes shots of them in there, you know, he's never there. Yeah, he's never there, and you know it's because he was off doing his own thing, and they were just a committee trying to figure out how to do this shit, and you had such a multitude of different ideas. But my point is, is that you could definitely see that there was a point in time where they, some of them were getting jaded on doing Halo, some of them were still fine with doing Halo, but they wanted to like spread their wings a bit. But Microsoft, you know, had that contractual like obligation uh, with them once they were able to negotiate a sort of a, a, an end game with this kind of kind of aspect. And, you know, it just it I think that guy's right. Like, I think in one sense they kept it safe, but it just makes me think about how these guys were so they, they kind of just wanted to fly by the seat of their pants in terms of how they did things. But then as much as they loved, you know, you want to be successful. That also kind of like uh, affected how they did things how they approached things and and especially being owned by microsoft at the time that affected how things were ran differently and i mean i know i'm just going all over the place here but like when i think about odst you know i was thinking about this yesterday and i was like you know what like for me who's always like i've said before i kind of give it i give like as much as i love it i give it a bad rap and i'm like you know i i don't like that it was you know so short and i don't like that it ends right when Everyone is finally together and all that stuff like I still feel that way But it's only because I love it and I wanted more but like it's so cool, you know it, it, like the it, behind the scenes there were so many uh, balls. They were trying to juggle and ODST was one of those things that kind of like didn't wasn't so much a ball that they were trying to juggle But it was in, in fact like some of the balls had dropped and that was something they found on the ground to pick up and do And a lot of good came out of that too, even though it doesn't feel too different. But that was where you got to see sort of this open city hub, which was so different and stuff like that. Like, For me, and I'll shift it over to you, I'm just really happy. I think when I think of Bungie and their sort of like legacy now, I think more about ODST and Reach than I do Halo 1 through 3. Because Halo 1 through 3 is a self-contained trilogy that did really well, and I love all of it through and through. But then... After that was done, after Chief Story's done, they still had two games to put out, and that could have like completely changed like our sort of aftertaste of how we looked at Halo and how we looked. You know, could have like tainted it. But if anything, people love ODST and its nor uh, aesthetic and, and tone and what it, how how different that was for Halo and the sort of open city hub that it that it brought, the firefight mode that it brought, and then Reach, which I know is a bit more debatable but it brought in this you know, full-circle story that uh, tried to, to bring yeah, tried to bring things full circle with, with other Spartans and tell that story of Reach that we had only read about. I mean, that, that's pretty cool that it, it kind of got to that point. I mean, do you ever feel that way where you kind of think more about those two? Because it could have just went so bad and changed how we looked at Bungie with those yeah, I mean, last well, two kinda, games.
0: They've talked about that before. They might have even talked about it in an article you are talking about that they thought about doing Halo 4 briefly. Right. But they, they were you know they were smart and they decided to do... Like ODST was just an expansion of the universe and it was built off the Halo 3 engine. So the, the, and the um, expectations were a lot lower for that. So they didn't have as much to earn up to. That's why Reach gets... I'd say ultimately Reach is seen as a great game more than anything. But uh, Reach gets uh, picked apart a little more because it was a full three-year development cycle project and, mm-hmm. it, and it changed some things. But ultimately, you know, they, they didn't... They didn't really get too far away from their core principles in any of those games. And sure. the thing I was That's thinking cool. about while you were talking, Josh, is we've mentioned before that like Bungie kinda operated like rock stars. And whereas 343 operates more corporately. And if you look at a lot of like me and Josh here, neither of us do drugs nor do we advocate doing drugs. But if you look at you you can you can research this stuff, look this up. Some of the best, most iconic music Ever made was done by people horribly on drugs, you know. Like they, they. I'm not. Like I said, I'm not advocating that. You know, we we <laughs> doing drugs makes good music. Like, so do drugs. I'm just saying that. Like, a lot of times, when you're up against the wall or you're you're debilitated by things, some of the best art comes out of it. I also think of like my favorite trilogy of all time, the Lord of the Rings. And you look back in history on that, like. Peter Jackson and Co. They wanted to work. They wanted to make that movie, and they first they first pitched it as, like, um, I think they pitched it as as two films because they never thought in a million years they could get anyone to to sign on to that, and people kept saying, no, I'm not investing that kind of money in two films. No, I'm not doing that. And then eventually, New Line Cinema was like, I don't think we can do do two films. We got to do three, and we also got to we got to really put our our budget behind it, put our force behind it, and. They ended up filming all, they ended up doing three films for three books, and they filmed all three of them at one time. And they've also talked about this in the behind the scenes where, like, after they did Fellowship, they had things designed so that if Fellowship didn't perform well in the theater, they would make Two Towers and Return of the King have lower budgets, you know, to account for it. So you just look at some of the biggest, like, most successful projects out there, and there's a lot of risk or a lot of things hampering their abilities. And I think. That's something that kind of works against 343, as that the people at 343 inherited this franchise. They inherited the mic- the Microsoft backing, the money, the studio, the uh, the fame, the characters, the world. It's all been given to them on a silver platter, and that's not at all their fault. You know, the people at 343 are talented people who you know got their education, got their talents their own way. They've done absolutely nothing wrong, but they still. They still inherited it all. Like all 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 the hard lessons of like Josh has talked about, you know, the the game Halo was RTS and it moved to Xbox and there was a there was a Peter Jackson Chronicles game that was supposed to come out, never did. There was a Halo movie they talked about. They were learning all these things the hard way as they went along. Well, by the time 343 got it, they got a studio, Microsoft backing, 10 years of experience in code to look back at. And I think they a lot of them, you know, even people who were talented game developers. They're still fans like we are. They just have skills that we don't. So they probably saw a lot of ways that they could improve the series. They could blow the series up, add new novels, new characters, new universe reveals, things like that. So uh, to kind of bring this back in, I think what happened is, you know, when you look at Halo 4 and the novels that led up to that, you look at Halo 5 and bringing in Blue Team and all this stuff, they were very much fans with a lot of backing looking at. Things they could do as fans that people have wanted for a long time. I mean, I know a lot of us complain about it now, but a lot of us wanted to know about more about the forerunners. A lot of us wanted to see Blue Team on screen. Sure, they did those things, and now that they've, you know, they've made mistakes, they've also done really good things. They've, they've, you know, they've, they've changed things up a bit. Now all this time has passed, and Infinite's kind of them saying, "Okay, now we've had our ten years." Of of suffering through uh, things, even though it was a completely different experience than the Bungie game. Suffering. A uh, completely different Bungie experience than the Bungie experience, but um, they're saying, okay, Halo is this huge universe of limitless possibilities, but there's also like these core principles that made the original Bungie game so good. You know, they're 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 simplistic, but they're also kind of nuanced with with things to make you want to know more. And I think we're just kind of seeing with Infinite, and I know this is, I'm saying a lot for someone who hasn't played Infinite yet. We could definitely see Infinite do something crazy, and I could be wrong, but it, it just seems like uh, finally they've they have kind of understood, they're, they're starting to understand what made the Bungie games tick so well. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think Bungie could have given them, because we know that Bungie helped the transition to 343. I don't even think Bungie could have offered them well, the proper advice. Their experiences are just completely different.
1: Something you like—you made me think of when you were talking about—is how you know, three-four-three hasn't really had to kind of deal with the fly by the seat of your pants um, development approach. You know, to how uh, they had to do things over there at Bungie. And I remember Jamie Grismer saying, you know, I think when it like came to Halo: Combat Evolves uh, multiplayer, was that it was something that was. I mean, not so much tacked on, but it was definitely not something that got to be fleshed out due to time. And you can see that 20. he said, I, I mean, he, I'm paraphrasing, but he more or less said that, you know, he works best kind of when he's in those tight situations because at that point it's less, is this good, does this work? And it's more like we don't have time to think about that kind of thing. We just have to do this stuff and make it happen. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy to think because everything we have now with multiplayer, for an example, is so much of what, that initial start was, you know, it was the initial foundation that we got there. And I remember for halo two, they wanted to do a mode called, uh, I think it was like something like Warzone, you know, and, uh, max, that's what Max Holberman said. And he said, you kind of see more or less what they kind of were wanting to do for that multiplayer they were in halo five, you know, more or less. And it's just, uh, but they just didn't have time to do, but they had all these different, different ideas. And, you know, it's, It's cool to me to look at 343 now with Halo Infinite and, you know, maybe the narrative when this game comes out will completely uh, render what I'm about to say irrelevant and redundant. But I, you know, when some franchises go on for so long, it helps to have that kind of soft reboot as much as I sometimes don't like that stuff because it's just you, you have to kind of, you have to get back to the basics. Like, remember when, when Halo Comet Evolve came out, guys, and, we didn't know anything and part of the magic of the entire experience was that we wanted to know more and there was the secret sauce was in the mystery and then you get to 2 and 3 and these other games and the, the story unravels more but there's still more you're wanting to know and then the, the, the more the sort of story the more information there is the more opportunities there are to dislike things and, and to dislike but it so is, much eventually
0: you go I know too much take me back
1: yeah and, and I like that I mean, 343, which sucks for them. And it's like, like Brian's totally right about the silver platter and everything like that, passing of the torch, you know, but it's nice that now they're kind of at a point where they don't have to like sort of, they don't have to directly continue off from what Bungie did, you know, like the passing of the torch. But now they can really say, we get to kind of have a fresh start in the Halo universe the way we want to, and kind of get things back down to basics Uh, for them. But also for us who have, been, you know, been a part of this for so long. But I think that makes me excited because it's like, how are they going to take what's been there and marry it into this sort of new fresh start going forward for them? Because you know it's just completely different climate for three four three than it than it is for Bungie. They're not, and they and plus you look at something like this delay. Like guys, they pushed. It, it did. Did Bungie need this shit for Halo Two back in the day? Uh, yeah. And I mean, they did get a delay at one point, but that game was not obviously ready. They had to cram and crunch and they talk. You can tell. Stuff
0: was cut. There was pop.
1: Relationships were lost. I, I remember, I think, uh, one of, uh, Paul Bertone, I think, was even saying like for like two months, his dog had to just live in the kennel because he just he was so in and out uh, where he was at, you know, uh, trying to get that game done and complete it. And Microsoft was like, this has to ship holiday season for our fiscal year, blah, blah, blah. But now you have, are in a situation where it's like this game. You can tell, you know, for Halo Infinite that it was supposed to release, but now it's like they delayed it.
0: That's a really good point you brought up, Josh. Is like, I mean, people can disagree with me, but I, I'm pretty hard and fast set on this. For my own opinion, is you look at the the Infinite gameplay reveal. That game looks a whole hell of a lot more ready than 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 Halo Two when it launched. Yeah. To me, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not even. I mean, they they chopped off a whole third act of the game. There was tons of pop in, lots of muddy textures, and just it needed a lot more polish. And I say that as Halo Two is my favorite game of all time. I'm saying that. Uh, but before I forget, one thing I wanted to say just to clarify for you guys, Josh and I are by no means saying that three four three has it easy at all.
1: They just no, they've got their they, own set of challenges. Yeah, like, that. like,
0: and we know that when they started, when three four three started, and they were working on building Halo Four. They were trying to build a studio at the same time building developing a game with new people. So they had their own struggles. No part of anything they're doing is easy. It's just completely different than Bungie. That's all that we're trying yep. to say. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, what, it's... it's yeah.
1: What's that? You no, know, back to what we were saying, you were talking about uh, some of the stuff I was saying, the different culture, like development. You were going to say some more yeah. about that, I think.
0: Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, the industry is... The industry changed a lot since 343 took over. Like, I know I know it's kind of easy to say that because the industry is always changing, but, like, what what did we kind of see in the years 2000 to 2010? Like, we saw HD visuals, we saw um, internal storage on consoles, but I feel like things have changed a lot more
1: between 2010, 2010 2020, and now.
0: 2020, you know, like, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and then 2000 to 2010, there was... The beginning of DLC and micro and microtransactions, kind of almost
1: were they even there two thousand? They were starting to slip through, they Bare- barely. Through. Just you know, you starting to yeah, see a little formations, a little bit. I, little World of Warcraft
0: was kind of doing that already, I guess. But yeah. like, but now if you look at like the gaming industry now, not only are they developing games. We used to have. There's just so many different ways we could take this conversation. We used to have A AAA games, and then we had like B tier games, and then we had like C tier, and then after C tier was like we had a bunch of garbage. That's kind of the the rankings we had. But as time went on, things started to get consolidated, and we're still seeing it. I mean, Microsoft just purchased Bethesda, um, but we we saw a bunch of AAA people pick up B tier people, and a lot of B tier people closed down. Consolidation and closed down, mm-hmm. and now. You know, in this last ten years, what have we basically had? We've had, we've had, triple A, That's it. Triple A and indie. That's pretty much it. There really is no B tier. B tier. Of course, there's, of course, there's still junk games, but it's just mostly just, you know, triple uh, A and it, usually the the junk games either still fall into the triple A or indie. You know, mm-hmm. um, so
1: that's a good point, Brian.
0: So, so seeing that now, it's like three four three, is expecting to make. A triple A game, and I know the original Halos were triple A games, but like the 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 amount of people that it requires to make the game, the amount of development time, the fact that all the assets have to be freaking four K now, sixty to one hundred and twenty frames, mm-hmm. you know, um, they they're still trying to do they're trying to do all the things that Bungie did with Halo Three, with having Forge Theater multiplayer, make maps, all this, but they're trying to do it now with like cutting-edge technology with more developers more 4k 10 or uh, 120 frames i mean it's just everything's just grown so much but all the same things are expected and then on top of it you know we're seeing a lot more success out of free-to-play games with microtransactions. yeah the entire landscape
1: has changed significantly so much has been redefined and, and evolved you know, at the same time, so they're
0: trying to they're trying to continue to do Halo their own way and put their own brand on it while still keeping the quality while adjusting to industry standards. and Yeah, and, changing.
1: and another good point to bring up is that you know anytime Bungie was developing a Halo game, there it, it wasn't always so quite on the nose, fly by the seat of the pants, but there always was a different way about how the development went for the games. There was never like okay, this worked, so we're gonna keep we're gonna bring it in and try to do this for the yeah. next one. So much things changed and shifted, and there was like. As much as, you know, three four three has had to deal with so much, you know, Bungie never found a right way. Like I think I think Marcus Leto said the way that he, you know, he was kind of brought into to lead Reach and stuff, he felt pretty good about how that cycle went. And there and if you look at any of the development stories for all of them, Reach is the one you hear the least about. But there's still stuff to that. But my point is is that, you know, it's not like it's not like three four three. Even though they were handed this franchise, it's not like they were handed. Here's the right way to make this Halo game. Make it your own way, but here's here's the perfect way to do it, where there's not going to be any issues, and you're going to run into a, as little as to no problems as possible. You know, that's that's a an issue in of itself to squash.
0: And we've we've seen we've actually seen documented um, ideas that Bungie had for Halo that they never actually brought all the way through fruition, mm-hmm. and then. And then 343 either literally did that idea or did their addition of that idea and got backlash. So, of course, there's always the question of did 343 get backlash because the idea was bad or because they're 343 and not Bungie. But there are plenty of ideas that Bungie had that weren't good. But they luckily managed to dodge a lot of them. And, of course, some of their bad ideas made it all the way through. I mean, we had SMG stars for Halo 2. I mean, that's a bad idea that made it.
1: You know what, though, uh, and I think about the Bungie era specifically, is, man, I just think about... I was
0: just Josh, hold that thought. Keep saying it. I was just saying, I think we should change this episode title to Passing of the Torch. Well, it's a lot yeah, more indicative that works. That works, of yeah. what...
1: This isn't so much
0: just Bungie era. Yeah, but going not know if but
1: what I was going to say is, uh, I, I just, when I think of Bungie era, you know, and, and all that time, it was just such a fun time to be a video gamer. It still is, but it was just so... It, that time in general, it, would, not just it, it was, was just Amy. it was like my niche, you know. Like you know, like sometimes guys, let's just like let, let's speculate for a moment here, and let's say, let's say you get your favorite favorite television show, and you stumbled upon this show by accident, and you just saw an episode one day on TV, and right away you were like, I want to watch more of this. Like this was super entertaining. If you think about it, you know, maybe if you saw a whole other episode on a whole different day, maybe you would have watched like whatever scene you were seeing. Might not have turned you on or engaged you enough stimulated you enough to make you want to go and watch that and you don't and then the narrative's completely different and you don't have that and it's just interesting to think because for me what Halo brought to the table what Bungie brought with Halo back in that uh, Xbox PS2 360 PS3 era was for me exactly I guess what I wanted as a gamer. And it just made it so much fun to play video games and it made it so much fun to be around my friends who was also sharing in this stuff. Like so many times I can recall thinking back like I just I didn't care about my schoolwork even though I should have. I didn't care about it because all my thought was bent on getting to the weekend and playing LAN with my friends in Halo 2. Like that for me at the time was like I could do this for the rest of my life. I don't give a shit bro. <laughs> you know, like, I hear it. I mean it's it, it was just precisely what I wanted it to be. You know, I like I always think of the aesthetics of like you take out Cliff Blazinski used to look with the, the button up shirt and he had like the, the pants with sort of the ripped jeans, you know, the ripped jeans, basically. And then you had all those like the spiky hair that was like the norm back then. And you had all your games like you had your Tony Hawk's, you had your, you know, Jack and Daxter's, you had your Halos, you had then you had all these weird other titles and you had some of these other games that cropped up your Medal of Honor's and all this stuff. And I just I remember the climate back then and it was just so different and so exciting and so much was happening in Bungie. It felt like was just. Just on top of that hill, you know, it's not to say others weren't, but they were definitely on top of that hill with other people. They weren't climbing it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, some Josh said that just kind of makes me think about it is that, you know, we have these experiences from when we're kids, Uh, you know, like Josh said, blowing off schoolwork to get to do land and and uh, being excited for for just the just during that bungee era you know all the new things that were happening you know uh, Xbox Live matchmaking you know dual welding, all this this just cool stuff and the people at 343 they're not just fans they're also passionate creators that that are creating something that, that you know think about for anyone listening that might be a content creator think about how you feel when you put something out there's got to be a, a sense of people at 343 they they want they want kids today who are 8 9 10 11 12 whatever to have these awesome memories with Halo. And when these kids growing up are seeing things like Fortnite and Apex, I know I keep bringing those up. It doesn't have to be that. But, you know, kids are getting excited about that now. I I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I used to well, I get it. Uh, There's be, so
1: much, that, that's what Halo was to us back then is what exactly. it is to people um, now.
0: I used to be a Sunday school teacher for kids that were like 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. What did I hear them talking about all the time? Fortnite. Fortnite, Fortnite, Fortnite. Fortnite. I'd say, kids, you know... What's the answer to this Bible question? In Fortnite, I got level, th- level thirty-nine. Like, just stop with the Fortnite talk, okay? <laughs> so, like, that is what's kid. That's what's cool for kids now. So, are like, we landed, boys? Like, yeah, like, I, I don't think I don't think the people at three four three want to to use their passion to create games for middle aged men. And I know that sounds awful, but no, I, it doesn't even though, sound awful. Well, even yeah, even though I'm you know Josh and Josh is in his thirties and I'm I'm twenty eight. You know, we're not quite there yet, but. That's the truth. Like they don't want to create it for them. They want to. I mean, they want it for us as well. But like, wouldn't it just be exciting to be like to hear that all the kids in school are talking about? Oh man, Halo ODST drop their battle royale mode is so freaking cool. It's the best one, and kids are going to school with their like ODST shirts when they're twelve and stuff. That's cool. We don't when when we were growing up, like me and Josh in like the two thousands, we weren't talking. And I've told you this before. I'm a Doom. I'm a Quake fan. But me and Josh weren't talking about how awesome. Quake 2 for PC is like that's old hat that's not interesting it was talking
1: talking about about your multiplayer level and you know your rank in Halo 2 and stuff like that or if you beat Halo 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 campaign on
0: Quake that's old
1: yeah or if you beat it on legendary and now you know you hear kids talking about you know if they managed to to win in a battle royale mode or you know what place they got or what their battle pass level is and or something like that you know so it it, it has shifted a lot and in a good in a a good way we
0: want to I think if we're if we're being fair and not selfish like I want the kids to have something for,
1: for I agree something. I would rather this stuff always be aimed for the younger generation because you know Star Wars has been the best example of all that shows how ridiculously uh I don't know it's like it's almost like a weird kind of arrested development in terms of fandom when you look at how upset some guys have gotten out there because this didn't go their way or this was ridiculous or this this wasn't you know this may be Conflicts with what they hold intrinsically valuable to Star Wars because of the Original trilogy like these things Are made for the younger generation And those people those middle aged men who get Upset so ridiculously about That stuff are they are, were kids when They initially saw Star Wars and fell in love with it So it's like I mean we've talked about this on the show before I'm not gonna Get into this whole spiel but I mean It's why it's so important to be mindful Of how we react To a lot of this stuff I mean myself Brian all of us You know, because we're getting older to the point where we become a bit we can become a bit more cynical. We can become a bit more too critical, you know, rather than just taking this stuff as it is like, you know, it's so different. You think about in the Bungie era, you see official Xbox magazine put out the first exclusive screenshots of Halo 2. Nowadays, shit just leaks everywhere and you see it and then you just comes under scrutiny. But back then. It was cool. You get the magazine in the mail and you're like, oh my God, I didn't know this was going to be on the cover and here it is. Or, oh, I see this in the Walmart magazine section and I got to have this, you know. There was such a cool factor that isn't there now and it's changed so much. So it's just, it, it's kind of interesting how much has shifted and you want Halo to get back to that. And if they have to do that in some ways to to, to kind of, I guess, make more relevant to how the industry shifted, you know, it's it's like you said, I mean, you're, you're kind of more or less saying you'd be open to that because as much as you want it for you, you have certain things you want for you. Like it should be geared toward the kids, because you know what that meant so much to us back in that Bungie era and back in those times, and what that did for us. And Brian and I wouldn't even be here if that wasn't the case. You know. I
0: mean, the, I've, yeah, I've said before, guys. Like for me, you know, as open as I am to all new things and as excited as I am for Infinite, like I have that OG Bungie trilogy, and that's that's not to dismiss anything that came out after. That's me saying my memories. The games that felt like they were made for me—they're still there, and they're always going to be, and I'm always going to have that. So no matter what happens with Halo going forward, I have those games, and those games just mean, yeah. mean so much. And, yeah. and for every little girl out there who's like a huge Star Wars fan because Ray is so cool, yep. or or a yep. little boy who's like, oh man, like I love Ben Skywalker because. He went good in the end, and he killed. He killed Palpatine. He killed, like he killed the Emperor. You mean,
1: you mean Ben Solo? I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, I said Skywalker. Yeah, I'm sorry. Josh man. is I over here going like, "You idiot!" Right now, like if Let you guys go. saw Josh's face, he'd be like, "Brian, you are the dumbest <laughs> piece of filth on the planet for getting my Star Wars wrong." No. And we just talked about Middle East. No, I know. See that? Um, um, no. I, when I said it, something sounded wrong to me. Um, oh, but good, yeah, Ben good, Solo. Man. I'm just. Uh, but there's some kid out there who's like, I love Ben Solo because he went good. He helped Ray and he stopped the Emperor, and that's so cool to him. And he'll grow up, and Rise of Skywalker will be one of his favorite Star Wars movies, if not his favorite. And there's people listening right now going, "Man, Rise of Skywalker was so bad, though, Brian." Yeah, you know what? Me and Josh, we have a lot of negative things to say about that movie as people around 30 years old, because we're dis- we're we're in a different age group, and we don't. take we grew up with that away different. from them. Yeah, it's different now. But then you and have people It's like there Josh thinks is- Revenge of the Sith is so cool, but there's somebody out there who's sixty years old going, Man, those prequels
1: ugh. Yeah, they you sucked. Know? You know, they hate it. And it just goes to show like these things don't belong to us, you know? They don't. Like we have our time with them and we stick around because we love it. You know? It it means something to us. Uh, it's it's nostalgic for us. It's um it's uh symbolic for us. It's it's all these different Things that remind us of good times in our life, and then we get older, and it's like when it's different, you know. Then we get super critical about that shit. Like things are just so different, you know. And that's something like we talked about before, but we had to learn in our own different ways. I had to learn that with MCC. Ryan had to learn that with Halo Five. That these—it's just so different. This is not Bungie. This is not like you know something like MCC. It's like it's such a huge undertaking. Why? What were my expectations really just assuming that everything was going to go okay? You won't expect that, but I mean, at the same time, it's like this was such a new thing no one had really done with this package. And then Brian with Halo 5, it's like they were trying to do something so different. The scope was definitely ambitious, you know, and the marketing and everything, and it's just like, you know, seeing how much that mirrored Halo 2, it's always a tough thing when you're trying to do that because it's always going to be uh, reminding you of what was better, you know? it's so it's just it's just tough any it's just, it's like actually jamie griezmere said this in one of uh one of his quotes on that vice article he said like okay out of these this new star trek uh, trilogy that we got a couple of years ago with the first one it felt right and it was enjoyable because it was like they were trying to do their own thing with it you know and they tell their own story even though they still had like you know some of the older characters and stuff like that but you're trying to tell your own story whereas when you get into into darkness it's very much trying to reminiscent be reminiscent of Wrath of Khan that's my favorite like that. that's fair yeah Yeah, and, and, and in that vein it's like well in that sense you're almost setting yourself up for failure because you're always gonna you're always gonna be lesser than it's original inception like what it's trying to mirror that's what you're always gonna be lesser than that thing you know and I mean it's I'm really happy that I'm really happy that 343 has, has had to kind of like do things the way they wanted to do it that they had their own idea about doing things because like Bungie had their stubborn way of doing things, but sometimes as history has shown, they got in their own way with that stuff too. You know, we talk about how awesome it was, but they got in their own way so much. And then 343 does things differently. And, you know, even though some of that stuff we don't like, even though there's some of that stuff we really love, it's been hit and miss, but like, man, isn't it awesome that they kind of have been able to take those chances guys and kind of like figure it out because The biggest thing I've I've took away from being a part of Sacred Icon Halo and and getting to know you guys this past year, one of the biggest things that I've that I've learned is that almost everyone that's in this community, like the majority of people, love Halo Four. There's a lot of you guys that you know are like me that kind of like are more in the Bungie era things, but you still like three, four, three, or you know you do like those games. Maybe you don't love them. Don't get me wrong. There's those people out there. It's just I've learned so much through being a part of this how much love there is for Halo Four. And boy, had they not gotten to go through what they had to go through with that. Uh, it's just, you know, it'd be a different climate. And that's meant so much to people. I mean, there's younger people that you see come out of the woodworks now that say Halo 4 is their favorite Halo. That's because their Halo 4 experience was my Halo Combat Evolved experience, you know. And if I was to sit there and be the one in a big chair and say, no, I'm going to delete this game from history. That'd be terrible because just because I decided doesn't fit in what I feel with is is more coalescing with this bungee era, you know, it's just silly.
0: Well I think I think it this topic extends itself to all things in life and, and obviously that, that could make for its own long podcast on Halo related. But <laughs> yeah. look at just look at let's just look at everything in, in in the world. You grow up and you form your own ideas and you make your own traditions and then as you get older, the new generations come in. And they do things differently, and it upsets you. And a lot of times, that results in people saying, "You kids don't do it the right way," or "It's not like it used to be." You know, like I remember something very trivial, but I remember like when I started texting, when texting became a thing. All my parents, my grandparents, they all went, "Why do you do that? What? Just call the person. Just call them." And I'd say, "Well, I don't. I don't. Te- I don't call them. I text them because if I say, if I say, uh, Josh, let's. Uh, I'll be ready to podcast in fifteen minutes." There was no reason to call him to tell him that. It's so much easier just to throw the text out, and when he gets available, he can read it. And so I, I was chastised by my whole family. Well, give it five years. Everyone in my family texts mm. my grandparents, my parents, and they do it a lot, and they prefer it sometimes to calling. And they kind of have to eat their words on that, you know. And it, it extends to all things. It extends to um, the way people live their lives. It extends to social ideas, political ideas, religious ideas. It, it's everything. That people believe, they hold so true to it. They hold so tightly to it. Sometimes you really should. There are things in life you should, you know, you should hold tightly to that because it is important, and it shouldn't be changed for the sake of change. But sometimes, we're just stuck in our ways, you know. Like when I when I think of somebody playing Halo Four, it's their first Halo, and they see like these gorgeous cutscenes with Cortana, and and Chief talking to each other with mocap and all this deep, great voice acting. Mm-hmm. And then someone like me or Josh comes along, and goes, "Man, that game was shit compared to Combat Evolved." And they go to Combat Evolved, and they see like Cortana pop up and kind of have this almost
1: <laughs> Block- robotic
0: yeah. conversation. And like the graphics are like not that great. They don't really say much. Chief never talks. This is something Kirsty brings up all the time that I never really think of. Is for Kirsty, as someone who started with Halo Four, Chief never talks in, in gameplay, and she she despises it when she plays the old game. She hates the Chief chief never opens his mouth in gameplay ever Halo yeah. yeah. Four. so when you see someone go you know somebody new go oh man i like the new one better because chief talks in gameplay and then you see an old fan go oh that's i hate that that's not chief well why are we saying that it's because it's what we're used to like it, it kind exactly. of makes sense that you'd want your main character to talk during gameplay i mean me and josh are we're our favorite games are bungie so we're kind of like oh i'm cool with him not talking but like is it really that crazy to picture someone likes it more? It's not.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to do something. You have to innovate somewhere, because then you're just not growing. I mean, it just feels good to grow. It really does. It feels good it when they when they innovate. You know, hell, guys. Uh, I mean, imagine not having Forge. A lot of a lot of people in the Forge community, if they had not done something like that, even though that was a bungee thing, like, man, imagine how much uh, people like Sean from Forge Labs wouldn't even be a part of the community without something like that and what that's meant. And, you know, I think, I guess to put a bow on this for me, you know, that really is reflective of just, I mean, I guess I I didn't expect it to go this way, but I guess it really comes back down to, you know, as people, you know, we have to be mindful because Bungie really set such a lovable tone with this universe. And, you know, you and some other people have always said it, Brian, to your guys' credit, that this like it's probably the closest thing we have in gaming to something like star wars in terms of just how multimedia faceted oh, it is, you know, and how layered it is. And it's so awesome to have all that stuff, but it's like, it reminds me of that song by 38 special called hold on loosely, you know, and the lyrics are hold on loosely. Don't let go. If you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. And mm. it really goes to me to apply to this kind of stuff that we hold interest intrinsically valuable. Like, Hold on to it if it means something to you, but don't hold on so tightly that you can't let it grow. You can't let it breathe and be its own thing, you know, and and, and I'm so happy that, you know, it's, it's things like this, this delay with Infinite. You know, I'm, I'm it sucks, but, you know, there are going to be good things to come out of it that we haven't seen yet. You look at something like Halo 5, a lot of the buzz that I hear about Shadows of Reach is that, you know, it is kind of referencing some of the events that happen in Halo 5. And hey, if that's if that book turns out as awesome as people are talking about, and then Infinite turns out as awesome if it's talking about, then the narrative's going to be you know what? As much as Halo Three didn't deliver for us, a lot of us on the story. Halo Five. Did I did I say him You said three. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Wow. We're both slipping. But um, I think the narrative could shift to, you know, Halo Five walked, so this new era with Infinite could run and. That's something to keep in mind, you know, because some of these things leave a bad aftertaste in our mouths. And, and and that's what Halo 5's done for a lot of people. But, you know, time's gone like Halo Halo 2's ending left a bad taste for a lot of people back in the day. But damn, Halo 3 did deliver in at least some way for pretty much every Halo fan to some facet. You know, and then it, it changed. And now you look at it now, you don't think you don't think in the moment, when you beat Halo 2 and he says finishing this fight, you don't think about how much that sucks that there's not more to it because you can literally from the master chief collection boot up sierra 117 you know of halo 3 so things change in time i mean i think i think you said it uh i think you said it best one time brian but it was just you know years can be kind you know it's just it's all about perspective
0: yeah Yeah, for sure um i love what you brought
1: to the table but but 343 is they're trying their best to do stuff differently too and and be respectful and that's got to be a hard game to navigate
0: See, guys, the more and more Josh talks, the more and more I have new things I want to say and different different pathways to take us down. But Josh and I, we, you know, we, we just delivered you guys a three-hour, 40-minute episode a couple days ago, and we told ourselves we're going to do a real nice, sweet 90-minute episode this week. So I'm going to, I think that's a good resting place for us for now. Uh, well, we're going to be, we're here all week. We're here all year. Um, we'll, we'll be back. <laughs> it's a cool problem to
1: have when we have to refuse ourselves because we can keep. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to go into our question, our Q and a, Oh yes. And do the, do the business and get out of here. So yeah,
1: actually, before question. you do that real quick, I'm sorry. Oh, we had a, um, I'm, I'm going to read this one first, actually. Okay. We yeah. had a recent I'm iTunes a cool review. iTunes review. Yeah, yeah. So this was awesome. This was by Zimzilla 99. Thank you so much in advance, by the way. We're not sure who you are, but if you're in our Discord or Twitter, let us know, man. Uh, let us let us know for sure. But they said, uh, the best work podcast. Uh, I love that. That's a podcast in of itself. Welcome to the best work podcast. Yeah. Um, you gotta the, wear a hard hat. Yeah. <laughs> Those Jurassic Park ones from the beginning where the guy's like, shoot! Ah! All right. Uh, Josh, no, no, Josh, Josh, Josh. Oh, crap, I forgot. What's up, man? Hit me up with the sound oh, fuck. of Joshua Hargis
0: on, being man. excited that I forgot to do hit me up with the sound.
1: <laughs> we almost made it through, man. Shit. Damn. All right, that's continue. Right no, that's how I feel right now. God <laughs> damn I, mean, I didn't realize until you said it. As soon as you did that, Josh, hit me up. When Brian does that, it's like his whole fucking body just like, like, unf- like, like caves in.
0: I take my neck and chuck my head at Josh.
1: <laughs> hit me up with the sound of it. <laughs> hit me up with the sound of Brian having a hernia. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> oh, man, we almost made it through. I would have been Every wacky. time I, I run up
0: said, the stairs, this is so weird, I put this on Facebook, some people agree with me, every time I run up the stairs and I don't feel like going up the stairs, I just make old man
1: noises. I'll just run up the stairs and
0: be like, Oh, my. oh dude,
1: <laughs> I do old man noises all the time. Anytime I bend down to pick stuff up at work, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <sighs> <man>. <sighs> Yep. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, in a roundabout way, back to our, <laughs> back to our awesome iTunes review uh, from Simzilla 99. So the average length of episode uh, episodes and the host's genuine passion make my nine-hour retail shifts go by in a flash. As someone who grew up alongside Halo, being two when Combat Evolved came out, and getting, to, um, getting it alongside Halo 2 when I was five, it's a joy to see people with the same kind of stories and feelings about the franchise as I did. Despite disagreeing with some things, it's never a turnoff. And although not being excited for Infinite, having already purchased a PS5, and probably not going to be able to get a Series X via the lack of consoles launch, and then the rest of his money being saved for upcoming wedding, he said, "At least I'll have content to listen to, and these guys will be happy to share their experiences." You know, that's something I really appreciate. Actually, is, you know. The fact that, you know, thank you so much, by the way, first and foremost, but the fact that you mentioned that, you know, you don't always agree with some of the things we say, or some of the opinions we have, but you still enjoy listening to us. Like, that's awesome. And that's something we talk about so much on the show, don't we, Brian, about, you know, sort of the harmony within disharmony that, you know, we all still love Halo. And even though you might like it for a completely different reason, it doesn't need to stop me or, or from enjoying Yeah, that's, enjoying a, that's a really hard so
0: balance because jo- Josh and I purposely try our hardest to make sure everyone who listens doesn't feel like we're shoving in an opinion they don't like mm-hmm. we try so hard and what i end up, now it's a good thing still but like what i hear all the time from people is i don't agree with a lot of what you say but i really enjoy the podcast which mm-hmm. is a really nice compliment yeah but it just goes to show for how much josh and i delicately try as hard as we can to not upset anyone and not say anything too hot of a take People still let us know all the time. You know, I don't really agree with a lot of the things you say, but I enjoy you. So it, it just it just goes to show how hard that is and how different everyone's opinions are that we're still hearing people say, oh, sometimes you say stuff I don't agree with. And I, of course we do. I mean, of course you're, we're going to say things we yeah. don't agree with. But, like, we try to do it in a way that where if you could talk to us one-on-one, we'd say, okay, yeah, I, I don't feel that way, but your opinion is completely valid.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's sometimes... I mean, you guys see Brian and I sometimes feel so contrastingly different on on certain things sometimes. And it's, I mean, it's interesting to have that kind of uh, discourse and discussion because it's it's a good example of just trying to be respectful. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's sometimes Brian and I like, Dude, I can't I can't get behind that. Brian, yep. you know when it comes to something like, you know, the, jo- the the Joker not being referenced in Dark Knight Rises that's something I've always felt strongly about. What, you know when I just
0: thought of Josh cuz I, I was listening back to an older one of our podcasts, yeah. the one disagreement Josh and I have a, or we're very apart on is is Josh uh, is completely behind uh prices of games going up and I feel I feel like I have a completely opposite yeah, sure. opinion, which we're not going to get back into, no, no, but that's no. one right. example of like
1: But yeah, yeah, it's being so different. But at the same time, it's like, you know, what? I still enjoy talking about that because when like there's so much harmony in being able to disagree with somebody and and being able to still enjoy what comes out of it because you can learn stuff from it. So I've listened to like Star Wars podcasts. Brian's listened to other podcasts that have sometimes had different opinions that I didn't agree with. Like and it was still cool for me to listen to. So. That means a lot to us because we know, I mean, we try, like Brian said, we try to be, we try to look at all different sides. And even when, you know, the benefit of Brian and I disagreeing is that you, you are getting two different perspectives covered, you know, on some things. But uh, it's it's nice to, it's nice. Uh, we, we appreciate, you know, hearing that stuff from you. Um, we appreciate that from some of you guys in general who have told us that in the past. It just, it means a lot that, you know, we can all find that middle ground to be respectful. Because even if we feel differently than you guys might feel on something, we definitely want to be respectful of that opposite opinion. You know, you know it's,
0: it's, it's actually a really good example. Uh, on the last episode, I pitched, I told you guys uh, about a podcast that I really enjoy listening to. Well, not too long ago, a couple weeks ago, I was listening to their podcast. And me, me, Brian, someone who, who is one half of the Sacred Icon Halo duo, I'm listening to their podcast and they start talking about Halo Infinite and how it looks like a pile of hot garbage. And how the series has just been crap since three four three took it over. No, they're very <laughs> no. they're very harsh on yeah. it. And I still love those guys. Listen to them every week. Great podcast. Enjoy it. But when they were talking about that, I'm kind of in my head. I'm kind of going, "Dudes, this isn't right. Like, that's not how you want to talk about it. Like, that's that's just your guys' opinion. Like, that's you're being so hard and fast with your opinion right now. And and like, I'm one of several who probably don't agree at all. And I'm just like, I don't think it's the best method. To go about those things. Because right. for me as a Halo fan, I'm going, guys, come on. No, it did not look like cock. That's, that's ridiculous. It did not. It did not. I did not. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, anyways, Josh, we got
1: to get to these questions. Yeah, you ready? Yeah, absolutely. Or just question and answer. Yeah, to thank you. you so much, Zimzilla. Uh,
0: well, yeah, thank you so much for the iTunes reviews. I don't get many of those. Really appreciate it. Uh, we love Bungie's era of Halo. What was your favorite moment from their time with the franchise? First response we have is from our buddy, Dustin Mondre.
1: Dustin Mondre? Mr. Freshman uh, himself.
0: <laughs> he says, the wake me when you need me scene after Halo 3 ends. It was the moment Chief comes full circle and the music and atmosphere was great. I had goosebumps for weeks.
1: It was perfect. It was I, perfect. I, I don't choose that as my favorite, although that probably deserves to be right up there, at least close, because when he got in that damn cryopod, as a, the first time I'm playing that, I'm like, no, the game's ending. <laughs>
0: I, I was like, it
1: can't be over. I need another 12 games. But objectively, yeah, I, I totally get that, Dustin.
0: And then uh, EBR, at EBR Halos mm-hmm. uh, underscore Halo says the same thing. Halo 3's ending. Chief entering cryosleep, floating in space, lost, but not gone. It parallels CE's opening, and it's just the perfect ending for the trilogy. Every time I watch it, it makes me emotional. And then he ends with, wake me
1: when you need me. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, man. I've,
0: we, we said it, like, last episode, didn't we? I said. I think I said, that's the. to me, that's an untoppable ending, you know, if they try to end Chief again.
1: Yeah, know. I mean, we. I think we said it even at the beginning, but, like, Halo 3 just could have, so much of that trilogy could have been so affected in a way that it left a bad taste in our mouths. And, and so much of what they did after could have done the same thing for Bungie, you know what I mean? Like, Like, Halo 1 through 3, something in there could have went so bad and so sour that it left this bad taste in, in how we look at that trilogy. You know, whereas like ODST and, and Reach I look at that in regards to Bungie themselves. But that ending was so good and it was so well done and like Dustin said full circle. You know, and like UBR saying, you know, it just like it had such a good it just left you with such a good feeling, basically.
0: You know, I, I love how um when I picture Bungie's games, I picture like like these three huge entrees, Halo 1, 2, and 3. I got like turkey, ham.
1: Mashed potatoes. Roast,
0: and like oh, wait, roast, roast, yeah, No, that's no. a side.
1: It's not uh, a side for me, baby.
0: Okay. I, you know what? I'm with you. I ate a whole bowl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you got the big three main ones. You yeah. got the mashed potatoes, the, the the turkey, and the ham. And then you got these two amazing side dishes in ODST and Reach, and they bolster the meal. That's how yeah. I picture a Bungie. Yeah. So cool. Um, next one is from Spartakai, at Spartakai. Nice. When the flood showed up in CE for the first time, it was out of the blue and I was terrified. I will never forget it. I knew Josh would love this one because that's his favorite mission.
1: Oh, man. so much fun. Because at that point, it just like everything you thought you knew is different and wrong. <laughs> and you're like trying to figure it out it's just as much as chief. Like I love so much that that mission in, in its most simple basic form to break it down is like go into this, you know, go into this hive and – now escape it's literally just in and out you know And but it's fun because you go in tonally different you come out tonally different it's just, man damn is it so it just ages yeah, it's- so good to me
0: it's weird how I feel like in almost all Halo conversations I have with anyone, we almost never talk about the Flood, but they're this ginormous part of the Bungie games. Yeah. I think it's because no one specific—most people don't just wake up and say, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to go fight the Flood for three yeah. No one says that, <laughs> no one. but the narrative purpose that they offer just enhances everything. Oh, absolutely. Uh, next one is from Nozaz at Nozaz1. Okay. My favorite moment was playing with the boys in Halo 3. I picked that because it's just such
1: a wholesome, genuine moment. How many of us think hey, back to Bungee? You, <laughs> you know a song by? I the said cataloging. hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I
0: said
1: hey, yeah, yeah. I said hey. Oh man, what's, what's the going window? on? Four non-bloms? What the hell? That's a completely different song, but I love it, Brian. That was. A I cool. know. I just had to go. Listen to Brian hitting that. that high note today, guys. That was <laughs> uh, beautiful. 10 we out of 10. all have
0: those memories from Bungie era, just like hanging out with the dudes, pizza, Doritos, Mountain Dew, playing Halo.
1: It's the best. That's what that's what Halo is for me, guys. It's always been the experiences I've gotten to have with my friends. It absolutely, 100% has. It's never been the singular experiences. That was my foot in the door. I was playing Combat Evolved by myself. Everything that came after was my time with the boys, and as I've gotten older, and with the girls. So it's been very, very awesome.
0: That's what I said in the last episode. I'm like, when we were talking about Chief as an icon, like when you look, when you see a new picture of Chief and you you stare into his visor, it's almost like all the memories you yes. have of playing Halo stares back at you.
1: Yeah, it's not just the Chief you're seeing. You're seeing your reflection of all these memories. Yeah.
0: Uh, next response is from Peach at Peach Gin Girl. Okay. Uh, first experiencing levels like Halo and Silent Cartographer, I was just in awe of them.
1: Yeah, I think we all were in awe
0: of Halo One's levels when that was the first game we were playing.
1: Yeah, I mean it. I mean, I know everyone. Everyone has to feel that way. Even I. I feel like, hypothetically, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I would think people, even like Kirsty, who kind of had a backwards way of of playing through the games, I would imagine she probably still would objectively say like those are very good levels. And you, you did a good can job of, at, of
0: you, building you, to that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely.
1: All. I mean, nothing will beat just you know shooters at the time. Console shooters at the time were just you know like Medal of Honor. Were just these corridor linear shooters, then you have something like Halo that actually is outside, and that was big, you know, and then you get to Silent Cartographer, and it's just like this beach level, and you just, you're running up there, you're charging up with the, your fellow Marines, and, you know, and then you get in the Warthogs, and just the way that mission structure kind of flows, and you go into these buildings, and crevices, you know, it's just, it's so much fun, I mean, those levels, I mean, when we had our play cast, god damn, was that the silent cartographer mission. We made it. I mean, it was already fun in and of itself, but damn, did we amp up the.
0: Who doesn't try to get Warthogs places that you do? Yes. Go? Oh, my God. Uh, dude, it was, it's interesting. So I work with this guy who is 10 years older than me. Okay. And for him, you know, you got to think, you know, when I was six, he was 16. So for him, he kind of quit gaming around the era of Goldeneye Ooh. on the Nintendo 64. Ooh, That's okay. kind of when he quit. So he's always hearing me he talk. Yeah, so he's always hearing me talk about, you know, my Halo podcast and whatnot and all this stuff. And, and for him, he's like, oh, do people talk about Goldeneye? Like, Goldeneye was the height of, like, first-person shooters on consoles for him. And it's kind of crazy how he just kind of got out of gaming right before Halo made its boom. Because most people, when when there was a conversation of best console shooter before Halo, it was Goldeneye. It was Goldeneye. Oh, it was. Yeah. Uh,
1: so that's just kind of I tried cool playing thing. that one time at a bar. I am not one of the last times I was in a bar because I don't drink guys, but it was just funny. They had a, it was that analog. You remember analog? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I went in there with uh, Xavier and Alex one time and we they had a 64 section set up where you could actually play some of the games. And I got to play Knife for like one of my first times and I sucked ass. I was like, I, I was literally like trying to figure out how the controls worked. I, I, I'm, I'm a Halo guy it's- and I'm trying to play this old weird ass. Control. It was an
0: amazing game for the time, but it's it got was. one analog stick and it runs it like if you do four player split screen, I don't even know if it hits ten frames a second.
1: I did not have fun, but I can tell it's amazing for people. So I get where yeah, Brian's said it perfectly.
0: Uh next response is from Evil Dead fan. Oh every nice. cutscene in Halo Two, God bless, the <laughs> cutscenes in Halo Two are phenomenal. I, I think most people I mean it's not an objective thing. Don't get me wrong, but when when if the question's asked, which Halo game has the best and most amount of good cutscenes?
1: It's usually Halo Two. I mean, yep. that game was a cinematic masterpiece to me. Absolutely, man. That that I mean, even though I was confused as hell the first time I played through it, uh, wow was you still it? were drawn in, You're still drawn in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: next response is from US Ovini at Hawaii and Guy eight hundred eight. Oh, nice! Uh, my favorite moment is when Chief takes the Covenant bomb, drags it out of the airlock with him, and plants it on the Covenant ships. <laughs> Chills every time, man.
1: Yeah, that's that moment yeah. where Chief was—you he just felt like a badass. It's like, damn, this guy went from like seeming awesome and like he was gonna save the day in Combat Evolved to I gotta get the hell off this damn ring, you know, and then I'm all alone with Cortana to. Look, these dudes are trying to attack Earth. Fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm going to show this right like, Pooper.
0: She's like, ready all the surveillance cameras so everyone on Earth can watch me do this bomb-ass move. <laughs> yeah, he jumps a out.
1: Bomb-ass dive. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and he jumps out, and everyone's like, whoa! And he's like, yeah. And he's like, put up the peace sign for the cameras <laughs> uh, as he takes a bomb. Um, got a last response. will now attempt
1: to dive from Cairo's yeah, pension onto the, the Earth. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Lunar at Lenny 111 mm-hmm. says... Probably when the Arbiter drove the sword through truth in Halo 3, putting the final stone in for the Covenant Fall and giving that battle cry. So much emotion, so much anger and resentment built up, released in what moment? In that moment in one of the most badass ways possible, only for the Gravemind to turn on you as one of the dopest drum tracks in all of Halo plays. And the line said by the Gravemind as the scene unfolds, leading up to the back-to-back scene between the Arbiter and Chief, even just the thought of it sends chills down my spine. That uh, was a really good write-up, and I was like, you know, I'm I, I'm glad he mentioned that moment because I think for, for those of us that were Arbiter fans at the beginning of Halo 3, you know, he, he got shafted to the side a bit, understandably so, because of the backlash in 2, but they really gave him that moment with Truth, and it's a good thing they did because that was Arbiter's moment. If, if Chief had killed Truth,
1: it wouldn't sit right. It would have taken away from, from Arbiter. Yeah. So it they did a nice job balancing, like, trying to still prioritize cheap but still keep arbiter there too enough to Very good. To
0: Delicate be, balance there. Yeah. Uh Josh, do, do I need to read off all the patrons too for this one?
1: Uh no, we don't have to cuz we're trying to keep this one shorter. I know we kind of we kind of got to get out of here. Okay,
0: well how about um, to do a compromise with you Josh? Yeah. Josh, we're not going to we won't we won't say anything, but we're just going to we're going to say who our patrons are cuz yeah. I want
1: to do that real
0: quick. Uh, so guys, uh before we go into our final take us out with Josh here. Um, I just want to say that you can hit us up on Sacred Icon Halo bang. on Twitter. Um, you can join our Discord, which is also Sacred Icon Halo. Bang, bang. 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 <laughs> uh, there you go. Gotcha. <laughs> um, I need that fast bang, have, bang, Brian. A, a bang, bang. Yeah, bang, bang. Uh, it's not as good as Josh's. It's um, <laughs> still so good. We have an email if you want to send us on long form at Halo at gmail.com. Bang, bang. Um, we have a website, sacrediconhalo.com. Bang. Um if you guys want to uh become a patron, uh you can go to patreon.com slash sacred icon halo. Pop pop! Um wow, that was new. Um I think there's probably a few other places you can find us on Instagram and whatnot, but you guys get the point. We just want to thank our patrons, Joshy Big Boy, Ryan Barca, Dustin Mondre, uh Anthony Nicolosi, Corey Hanks, uh Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Uh Hyperstellar, mm-hmm. Oni BB, we got some protein jugs, <laughs> uh, the MH Cosplay dropping in through the ceiling with that Hormel Chili, we got Genesis, Ian Big Dog Mills, Nick Ray, baby, Jondon, Trevor Pokey, the Shipleys, uh, you know, setting up WandaVision for us this year, <laughs> Duststorm from Podtacular, Glass, and the man who knew it needed more... Matthew Salvatore. I didn't do as good as well, Josh. Josh, no, go ahead. You gave
1: me the theatrical right. cut. It. That's all right.
0: He he does, all right. Yeah, theatrical cut. That's nowhere near as good as extended. <laughs> go ahead and give us the real
1: one. Uh, the Minnesota Justice League and knew it needed more, ladies and gentlemen. It's Matthew Salvatore. Guys,
0: it has been another fun episode. Thank you so We're much. So glad Thank to you so be much. on episode fifty-one. Now it feels good. Uh, you guys just hang out, love Halo like we do. Uh, we, we look forward to talking to you guys on the Twitter. We'll be back next week with that Shadows of Reach ending spoiler discussion. It's going to be dope. Tune in. And as always, guys, keep it sacred. Josh, take us out.